What's up, 9 a.m.? How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing well? Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. Before we kind of dive into today, um, I just want to welcome all of our first-time guests that are here. Can we give it up for everybody that's a guest here with us today? Our service is going to be a little bit different, so let me just welcome you. In the seat back pocket in front of you is a card that looks like this. It says, Get Connected. If you wouldn't mind taking a couple of minutes and, and filling this out and dropping it at the info table that's in the lobby, we have a gift for you at the end of our service. It's just our way of saying thanks for being here. But not only that, but every single one of these first-time guest cards that we receive, we make a $5 donation to a local food bank. And because of the various partnerships of that food bank, they're able to turn that $5 into 50 meals for families that are in need. And so just by you being here today, you can make a huge difference by turning in this card. And so we're so thankful that you're here and uh, visiting and being a part of our services with us as a guest. We hope that you'll, you'll come back uh, on another weekend and join us. Also, just a couple of, of kind of housekeeping things of some things that are coming up uh, here for us as a church. In fact, on December 24th, which is Christmas Eve, we are doing Christmas Eve back out at Pontrails Park this year. Uh, uh, we wanted to create a space and a place, and luckily the, the city of Parkland is allowing us to do this, to go back out to the amphitheater and do Christmas Eve out there. It'll be at 5 p.m. It'll be a family fun event. We, we do some pre, uh, pre-event kind of things out there, and so you want to come out with your friends, your family, your coworkers. There'll be social distancing, and it'll be outside, and so it'll probably be the safest space you can go to on Christmas Eve. Also with that, the weekend following that, because that's on a Thursday, uh, will be church online. We want you to spend time with your families. We want you to have more time with them. If you, if Some of you all already maxed out with your family. That's okay. Uh, we know you're going to have some maybe family in town or whatever. Spend some time with them. Put church online. We've all done it for months. Do church. Let's do church together as a family that time. And then coming up in January, we are doing our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, man, I am excited about this because how many of y'all know I, I want 2021 to be way different than 2020. And uh, I think the way that we do that is we do that by by praying something different in next year. And so this is something we do as a church-wide thing. Every day, this auditorium will be open from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. We'll be gathering together. We'll be praying. We'll be seeking God for what he wants to do in the new year, in our lives, and through our lives, and through our church. And so I want to just put those things on your calendar. You put it in your mindset of what's going to be coming up here in the next little bit. But we are excited about today. Today is a unique day for us as a church. This is the one time a year we, we do what we call our, our legacy weekend. It's our legacy offering where we help move the vision forward faster here of Coastal Community Church. And so if you're a guest here with us, this is a little bit of a different weekend. It's going to be a little bit different flow than we would normally have. But I want you to know at the end of service, you'll have the opportunity to, to give in, in this special offering that we're doing. It's one time a year. We actually take up an offering. It's weird. We don't do that normally. There's just boxes and stuff and you give or whatever however you do that, you give online. But we, we say everybody, we want everybody to participate this weekend. And we've been in this series called Legacy over the last little bit. And we've been talking about the fact that all of us uh, are going to leave a legacy in life. The question is, is, is what is that legacy going to be? What are you going to be remembered by in life? And the whole vision behind this series came out of this verse in Isaiah chapter 54, verses 2 and 3. And, and it says this, it says, enlarge the side of your tent 
to make room for more children. Like the one thing God wants us to do is he wants us to grow, he wants us to expand, not so that we can grow and expand, so that we can make more room for his kids, so that we can create more opportunities for people to experience, know, and follow Jesus. It says, stretch out your curtains of your dwellings, do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs, your stakes firm in the ground. Like he's saying, listen, we got to build a firm foundation. We got to build a solid foundation here, right here, right now, because what we're laying the foundation for is going to allow us to do this next part, which is, which is to, to lengthen the ropes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will take possession of nations and will inhabit deserted cities. In other words, God wants us to stretch. He wants us to grow because there is a premise here. There are some things that we need to do right now so that we can have the promise of future generations building upon what we are settling here as a church today. And I believe that God is trying to set us up, not just for tomorrow, but for future generations out of this. And the one thing that I've learned in life is that there are two moments in your life that have significance. One is the moment you're born. The second is the moment you realize why. And my goal for us is that we would be really, really intentional in our life and realizing why we are here and what we're gonna do to make the most of our time here. Now, when you walked in today, on every single one of your chairs was uh, this little measuring tape. If you guys would kind of take that out, spread it out, Come on, it's, it's on your chairs there. It's, it's really easy for you to see. This is actually one of those measuring tapes that when you go into like a, to a dietitian, they'll measure your waist. We're not gonna do that here today. There's all kinds of things that you can put on there. But if you'll notice, there's an inches side and there's a centimeter side. And on the centimeter side, it goes up to 102. And what I want you to do here is I want you to find your age on this this. This measuring tape right now, like my age is 42, and I want you to find your age of whatever your age is. Maybe your age is 42, maybe your age is 18, maybe your age is 67, whatever that is. And I would just want you to tear it right there. And I want you to hold up that end that you just tore off that is the life that you have lived up to this point. I know that this is super difficult in church. Okay, the, the life that you've lived right now, this is the life that you have lived up to this point. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to lift this up and throw it behind you. Just throw it behind you. It doesn't matter if the person is behind you. It's not gonna hurt them. Why? Because that part of your life is already behind you. That part of your life is passed by. There's nothing you can do to change it. There's nothing you can do to transform it. Like it has already functioned and happened in your life. Now, here's what else I want you to do. I want you to look at that. And I want you to decide at what point do you think you will leave this earth? Now, the average age that a man dies in America right now is the age of 76. I'm just going to give you some, some history here. The average age for a woman, because they're healthier, they're nicer, they're, they're not as grumpy, is 81. So, so go ahead and choose what you think is the age that you will pass away. I know that's kind of morbid, but it's just, it's not, it's not, you're not being prophetic right here. You're just going to pick an age. And so I'm just, I'm just going to go with the average. I'm going to toss that down. Rip that off and, and, throw, and throw that on the ground. What you have left, okay, everybody, everybody has a portion of life left that they're gonna live before they die. Like, 
I know you're talking amongst yourself. Do you see how short mine is? Do you see how long? Like, it's okay. You can talk about it afterwards. But here's the deal. (laughs) Some of us, we have five years left. Some of us, we have 25 years left. Some of us, we have 30, 60. We have a lot of years left. Some of us, not as many. But here's what I know is that you cannot change your past, but you can change your future. And the number of days that you have left can be the most significant moments of your life. In fact, the Bible in Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 tells us, he says, teach us to number our days. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. And here's what I want us to do, church. I want us to realize that that we don't have infinity to live out. And so many of us live like tomorrow and and like death is never coming. No, no, no. There is an end to your day. And what are you going to do between the days of now and then to leave a legacy in your life? And I don't want to talk to you about how to add years to your life, but I want to talk to you today about how to add life to your years. And so how are we going to take advantage of this moment? How are we going to build a legacy? And legacy is simply this. Legacy is where my life lives on, if you're taking notes today. It's where your life makes such a difference that it impacts those that are going to come after you. And when you start thinking about a legacy, what you automatically think about is you think about a will. You think about people that have acquired things are going to Pass those things down, which are physical, tangible things, on to the next generation. But I believe that there's something so much more than some physical assets you can pass down to the next generation. There is a a spiritual and there is an emotional, there is a transformational aspect that you can pass down to generations that so many of us don't think about. We don't think about how do we make it so that our life lives on, not so that we can just pass down another car or another house or a big bank account, because how many of you know those things can pass in a moment? But the heritage that you pass down, the integrity that you pass down, the character that you pass down can last a lifetime. And so legacy is beginning with the end in mind. It's going, hey, I know what the end looks like. I know when the date is. How am I going to live today? And the rest of my days to make sure I'm passing down what matters most. Because legacy isn't leaving something for somebody. It's leaving something in somebody. Psalms 112 verse 6 says this. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. I don't know if you know this or not, but there is a way to live that while the world all around you is being shaken. And can we all say that 2020 has been a year that we've all been shook? Like we've been shaken in ways that we've been shaken, we've been stirred, we've been flipped upside, like we've been shook so much. And while things might be shaking around you, the Bible actually says that there is a, the world around you can be shaken, but you yourself do not have to be shook. Like the world can be crumbling around you, but you don't have to be crumbling internally. It says, surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered Forever. This chapter of the Bible is actually termed in my Bible the legacy of the righteous. And I just want to study Psalms 112 today and give you a few principles of how do we live a righteous life that will be remembered forever. That we will pass down to generation to generation because that's what it's all about church. And number one, if you're taking notes, the, the legacy of the righteous, what they do is they make truth their God. 
to make truth their God. And in verse 1 of Psalms 112, it says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. This is a person who has made God a priority in their life. Not a priority, but the priority. Like, he's not on the list. He is the list. Like, he is not uh, just an aspect of their life. It's not like, hey, I've given God one hour on Sunday. He's a priority. No, no, no. Every single day, he is on my mind. Every single day, he is at the forefront of my thought process, of my life, of how I'm living, how I'm making decisions, what I am doing. And ultimately, because he's at the forefront of all of your life, it says that you will be blessed. Blessed are those who have this reverence and this fear and this adoration for God. In fact, I know that you've met people that you run into and you're like, man, it seems like everything in their life, like every time the, the cards are falling, the cards always fall in their favor. It seems like, it, you know, when everything is going bad, they always turn out on the right side and end up good. There, there's people that it doesn't matter what's happening in life, they always end up on this place and in this place. It's because they're blessed. They've made some choices that has taken them. It isn't by chance that they're in that position. It is by a choice. They've made a decision to fear the Lord. They've made a decision to put God as the ultimate in their life, which literally means, they, the, the fear of the Lord means to pay reverence to him. And, and, and don't, don't miss out, they're not doing this out of duty, they're doing this because they delight in God. This is a choice, in fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19, it says this, God is literally talking to his people, and this is what he says, he says, today I've given you the choice between life and death, blessings or curses. See, you can choose how much of God you want. I don't know if you realize this, but you can have as little of him as you want or as much of him as you want. You can choose how much blessing you want or how little you want because he's given you a choice. He says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. This is a man who is fascinated by God, and he wants to go after God, and he wants to be obedient to God, and he's going, God, I want to follow your ways. It goes, man, blessed are those who fear the Lord, and it continues on verse in part B of it, who find great delight in his commands. Not who does his commands, because there are people that do the duty but don't have the delights. There are people who have the knowledge, but they're not experiencing the joy. There are people who go through the motions, but their heart isn't in it. But not this guy. This guy is passionate. This guy is fervent. This guy is all about, God, I want you. I want more of you. I want to know more of your word. I want your word saturating my life. I want it in my mind. I want it coming out of my mouth. I want it to be in every aspect of my life. Why? Because I get strength from it. I get wisdom from it. I get truth from it. I get direction from it. I get inspired by it. There's this great verse in Joshua 1.8 where God is speaking to Joshua right after the death of Moses, who is like the epitome of leadership. And, and this is what God says to, to Joshua. He says, man, you want to you lead this generation? You want to lead these people? He says, study this book of instruction. He's saying, get in God's work. Not just periodically, not just 
Not just for 30 minutes while TJ preaches it. He says, but continually. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to meditate on it day and night. That means it's in your thoughts all throughout your day. It's in your thoughts as you're going to bed. It's in your thoughts as you're getting up in the morning. He says, be sure to obey everything. Not just the parts that you like. Not just your truth, whatever the heck that is. If I hear one more person say, this is my truth, I'm going to punch them in the face. I'm not even sure that's biblical, but I just feel that unction from the Holy Spirit. There isn't your truth. No, there is the truth. It says, here's the deal. Obey everything written in it, and only then, only then, you will prosper and succeed in all you do. And so my question, churches, is how are you doing in that? Are you prospering and succeeding in all you do? If you're not, I might submit to you that you're not meditating on this day and night. You're not allowing it to lead and guide you into truth. You're getting your truth from Fox News or CNN or that Twitter or that Instagram or whatever it may be. And we need to get into God's word. Because God's word, what it does is it does a work inside of us. It changes us. It leads us. It provides for us. It does it all. The Bible tells us your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It leads and guides, and we need the truth to guide us in life. And a legacy life realizes, man, there has got to be a truth, and that truth has got to guide my life. Verse 2 of Psalms 112, it says, Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Number two, a legacy life is devoted to the next generation. Devoted to the next generation. And the thing that I want now, and here's the deal, I think... As parents, we major on the minor so many times. And when it comes to parenting and raising your kids, honestly, there is one thing and one thing only that you need to instill in your children's life. And it's this, that they would love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I know somebody, somebody's going to push back and go, no, no, that's not the most important thing. And, and education is the most important. No, 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 no. You want your kids to have a heart attuned to God. That is the most important thing that they can get. Yes, let's get them in education so they have opportunities in life. But if we want them to be successful in life, we've got to instill principles and character and integrity in their life. Because you can go get an education and not have it in character and you're not going to be successful. Yeah. What you need is the guidance and direction of God in your life. And here's what I know, church, is I want my goal for every single one of you is I want your children to be champions. I want your children to be mighty in the land. And, and you don't become mighty in the land by doing a profession, but you become mighty in the land by the character you live by. By the principles you live by. By the truth that you live by. Because you can be the best janitor in the world and not have an education. You can be the best mechanic in the world. But if you have truth in your life, it changes everything. Why? Because you're not working as just a secular job. You're working as unto the Lord. You could be the president of the United States or you could be somebody on a garbage truck. It doesn't matter. You can be the best. And you can be a champion in that. And I want for every single one of our kids to go farther, faster than I ever did or I ever could. That is the goal of every parent, right? We want our kids to go farther, faster. We want them to be mighty in the land. We want them to have significance. We want to raise up a generation that are upright and they're blessed by God. 
Man, we had a ton of families over at our house on Thanksgiving, a whole bunch of uh, people that didn't have any family here. We had, a, we had a lot of Brazilians over at our house. We learned, we learned some things uh, about Brazilians when you invite them over. They don't, they don't leave. They just stay. They, they just stay. So uh, we'll never make that mistake again. But uh, <laughs> love my Brazilian family here. And... Uh, and so all these families were over at our house, and, and the, all these kids were running around. They were running around like crazy. They were jumping in our pool. I mean, they were in the pool for like six hours. They, how many of y'all know that they looked like raisins when they got out? They were like all shriveled up and everything. It was, it was amazing. And, and as I was watching these kids like jump into the pool and having all this fun and running through our house soaking wet, which I didn't love, but it was all right, uh, watching my dog chase him because he's like, oh, these are all toys, you know? And if you don't know, we have a great Dane. He's bigger than every single kid that was there at our house. And um, the one thing about Shayla and I, in case you don't know, is that we don't have any biological children. And so I was watching these kids run around, and, and honestly, church, we live vicariously through your kids. Because we, we have never been able to have physical children. And so I'm watching these kids run around our house, and I'm thinking to myself, I want every single one of these kids to be champion. I want them to be the best of the best. And I had this realization, you know how that happens? You know how that comes to be? And how it begins? It begins with me. It begins with you. It begins with how I live. It begins with how I love. It begins with how I serve. It begins with how I'm faithful to God. Forget the past because you're only as good as you are today. Yesterday's commitment does not make up for today's. And however I'm living today is going to impact tomorrow and it's going to impact next week and it's going to impact next month and it's going to impact next year because what I'm doing today is leaving the legacy for that generation tomorrow. And I want them to know God, and if I will do my part, you know what God will do? He'll do his part. If I'm faithful to my wife, if I'm faithful to the truth of his word, if I'm faithful to serve, if I love my family, if I love my neighbors, if I love the people around me, then God will do what he said he will do. He will make a generation mighty in the land, and they will be blessed. And listen, maybe you haven't had the benefit of growing up in a home with a godly mother and father. You did not see this in your life, and I'm so sorry. You did not have that opportunity. But you get to change the pattern of the future today. How you live today, how you will serve God today, how you give today, how you move forward in life is going to change the history of the next generation. You get to set the tone. Coastal Community Church, we get to set the tone for generations to come today. Continues on in verse four. It says, even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious, compassionate, and righteous. Number three, if you're taking notes, man, legacy people are a light to the world. They are a light to the world. And light shines brightest in the darkness. Even in difficult and bad times, you have to remember, we are a light to the world. Like, the only light that people are going to see is the light that we shine. And he says, man, if we're going to be that, how, here's how we be it. Can you throw that verse back up on the screen, uh, verse 4, for me real quick? It says, it says, for those who are gracious, compassionate, and righteous. He gives us three things here. If you want to be a light to the world, what you have to do is you have to be gracious. You want to know what that means? You've got to be quick to forgive. We live in such an offendable world today. Oh, so offended. No, no, no. We're Christ followers. We forgive people. Yeah. 
We let go of bitterness and anger and rage. Like we understand people are stupid and you can't fix stupid. You could only love it. Some of y'all need to write that down. That needs to become your new motto. Listen, they don't know any better. So you know what that means? That means we give them grace. Just like we were extended grace when we didn't know any better either. Come on, somebody. So we're quick to, man, they didn't mean to, like, I know. So, so it, it goes right with the second part, compassion. We start to see people from their perspective. So many times what happens is somebody does something, we're like, we can't believe they did that. But what we only do is we only see through our view and our lens. We never take a moment and go, I'm going to step out of my situation. I'm going to step into their situation and view it from their perspective. Oh, when I view it from their perspective, all of a sudden I realize that their action was this, but their intention was this. And so what happens in life is we judge everybody by their, by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions, don't we? And so what happens is, is when we start having compassion on people, we start going over here and go, man, I see, I see their intention was good. They're, just their application of it was not. So you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna have compassion in this situation. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see that and I'm gonna go, man, I so get where they're getting. So that's gonna make me unoffendable. And so what I wanna do is I wanna help them out right here, right now. And I wanna make a difference in their life. And not only do I wanna make a difference in their life, but because I choose to be righteous, which means I'm in right standing with God. It means, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna live with integrity. You know what integrity is? Proverbs chapter 22, verse one, it says, choose a good reputation. Good reputation. Your reputation is dictated based on the decisions that you make every single day in a few key areas. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. Here's, here's what your reputation is. Three things, it's not in your notes, but write down. Here it is, tell the truth. Don't fib, don't twist it just a little bit, just tell the truth. Be honest and transparent. You know what people are looking for today? Authenticity. They wanna know who you are and know who they're dealing with. Not only tell the truth, but here, here's the second part that I think is so important in that, keep your word. If you say yes, if you make a commitment, Stay committed to that commitment. Well, I just won't make a commitment. No, 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 no. Be a person of integrity. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Come on. And most importantly, the third thing is admit when you're wrong. You know, Pastor Justin last week, he got up there and said, man, we have front page news and back page retractions. If we are quick to admit when we're wrong, we would have a whole lot less hurt in this life. And you, know what, you want to know what's like to people is when you can go, you know what, I was wrong. And they'll go, because oh. everybody believes they're right today. When we start living like that, it changes everything. Going back to verse 3, it says, wealth and riches are in their house, and their righteousness endures forever. In other words, God wants to bless you. And we don't talk a lot about this at, at Coastal because so many times the church, uh, I'm saying the Big C Church, has kind of hijacked this idea of blessing and, and made it all about prosperity in life and you're gonna be rich and have a Bentley with 22s and live on a mansion in the beach. That's not what it's talking about. But God wants to bless you. He wants you to be blessed in every aspect of your life. He wants you blessed in your marriage. He wants you blessed in your parenting. He wants you blessed in your career. He wants you blessed in your integrity. He wants you blessed in your relational world. He wants you blessed in your your finances. He wants you blessed in your influence. And the reason he wants you blessed is so that you can bless other people. 
That's the goal of blessing. The, ble- the goal of blessing is not for you to consume. In fact, uh, it, it says this in, in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. It says, and it, God is talking to Abraham. He says, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make you famous. And we're like, God, give me that. I love that part. And then there's this line because we think, man, I don't want to be blessed. I don't want to be famous. In fact, if the surveys of kids right now, you know what their number two, the two top things that they want to be, they want to be famous and they want to be rich. That's their goals in life. But what they fail to realize, which are totally biblical things. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's just they missed out on the last thing, which is, and you will be a blessing to others. See, God hasn't given you that influence. He hasn't given you that stuff. He hasn't given you all that stuff just so you can consume it. The reason why he's put all those things in your life to live a legacy is so that you can be a blessing to other people's. And so number four is this, live with an open hand. The goal of all this is to live with an open hand. It says in verse five, good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with righteousness. See, what God wants for every single one of us is to realize that he has called us to be a river and not a reservoir. A river river means things that are coming to you are flowing through you. Like it does not stop at any point. A reservoir means it just goes and it stops with you. Like, Like God has blessed you in so many different facets of your life, but you think, and this is the problem with so many of us, and this is probably the biggest problem with American Christianity, is we think God has given everything to us for us. The reality is, is God has given us all of those blessings so that we actually can be a blessing to other people, so that we can be generous, so that we can live freely, so that we can conduct our affairs with justice. You know what that means? It means that we need to trust God with the first portion of it. We need to return to him what's already his. It means that we need to, we need to realize that everything that he's given us is not for us to consume. In fact, in verse 9 of Psalms 112, it says this, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. You know, that's an interesting word. That word scatter is actually in reference to a farming, a farming uh, act. And, and here's what you need to know. If, if uh, a farmer, when they are planting seeds for a future crop, they do not go down the line and put one individual seed in every hole. This is not what a farmer does. You know what they do? They go out with a machine that throws seed all over the place. Like, when it says scatter, they're just, they're just tossing it. Like a couple years ago when I threw Skittles at you guys, it was awesome, you know, just tossing them everywhere. If you were here for that, you, you would know. You probably have a welt from it still. But uh, why? Because they realize that if their hand is closed, there is no harvest to a crop. But when we scatter, we give the opportunity for God to grow up more. And some of us were going, God, give me more. And he's going, but you consumed all of that seed. Like you used all that seed, that future harvest that was going to be exponentially greater than what you had, you thought was all for you. Instead of sowing that out there and blessing other people, taking care of the poor, making a difference in the world, gaining a greater level of influence, what you did is you tried to elevate yourself instead of elevating me. And now you have nothing because you planted nothing. Therefore, you've harvested nothing. It's seed time and harvest. If you're not planting now, don't expect to harvest in the future. 
He says we need to live that way. Not only do we need to live that way, but we need to conduct our affairs with justice, which means we need to get our financial houses in order. Maybe live principally in life. Maybe live by the 10-10-80 principle, which we talk about all the time here. Give your first 10, save 10, live on 80. Well, why would I do that, Pastor? So that you're not robbing Peter to pay Paul because you're up to your eyeballs in debt? Because you're not living month to month wondering how you're going to make it next month and and how you're going to finagle and work your way? Why? Because you live with margin. All of a sudden, you have stability in your life because you have savings. You have the opportunity to be generous in moments. You have the opportunity to move your family forward. You have the opportunity to send your children to college. Which are important things. Goes on in verse 7 and 8. He says, they will have no fear of bad news. In other words, emotions don't rule their life. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look, on triumph, look in triumph on their foes. And this is the most important one of them all. And it actually goes back to number one. A person who lives a righteous life that leaves legacies, they keep their heart pure. They keep their heart pure. Because people who are living a legacy life don't allow what's happening around them to happen within them. They don't, they don't allow the circumstances to dictate their actions. They keep their hearts Pure, Uh, 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 bad news does not mean a bad life. A bad day in their marriage does not mean the end of their marriage. A bad day in business does not mean the end of their career. Why? Because their hearts are steadfast, which means they have arranged some things in their life. There is some priority in their life. They're not trusting their feelings. They're trusting God. They're not trusting their circumstances. They're they're trusting what God has said. It says their hearts are secure. In other words, what they're doing is they're attaching their heart to something that is way more powerful than whatever the news of the day is. Because every time we attach ourselves to those kind of things, we're swayed up and down, around and around, over and over again. Why? Because what's happening in our day is fleeting and it's temporary. But it'll take us on an emotional roller coaster. He says, no, no, no. Their hearts are secure. Their hearts are steadfast. Their hearts are steadfast on what? Jesus. The anchor of our soul. He's saying, man, listen, that, that word heart there is literally this, this word called suke. It's the inner sanctuary that God designed for him to reside in. And here's what I know is that every moment of every day, this world is competing for the most safe and secure and important place, and that is your suke. It is the depths of your inner being, and it'll tell you, man, if you have this house, then you'll be complete, or if you get this car, or you have that job, or you get that relationship, then man, you know what? That's going to complete. That's going to fill the void that is there in your life. But God designed us with one thing that can fill the void. The most important thing, a relationship with the creator of the universe and what God knew is that every single aspect of our life flows from our heart. Yeah. 
And some of us, we've allowed some things to take the place of the most important thing in our life. We've allowed bitterness to come in and rule and reign in our life. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, but everything you respond to is out of that hurt of the past. Some of you have some unforgiveness that has come into your heart. It's ruling and reigning. And what we fail to realize is that everything is competing for that spot. Everything in this world wants that spot, but there's only one thing that can fill it and fill it completely. What's interesting is, is yesterday morning I was, I'd spent some time studying and, and I got up and I went to go walk preacher around our neighborhood and, and as I was walking preacher around our neighborhood, I was just talking to God. And I had this realization and, 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 and I have no idea how long it's been impacting me or affecting me. But God started dealing with my heart because I was so angry at God. And maybe, maybe you can relate. I was, I was so angry with God because here it was, we were doing everything that I'd ever dreamed of as a church. We were growing at an astronomical rate. We were reaching 20, 30 people for Christ every single weekend. We were running six services. We were, we were like up and to the right in everything in life. And it was like in a moment, it all got taken away. My dreams had gotten dashed. My hope had gotten dashed. And, and I was just bitter. And as I was walking around with preacher and started realizing, God, I've, I've made something else the throne of my heart. And I said, I'm going to choose to be grateful today. I'm going to choose to be grateful with whoever shows up at church. Like, I was angry at all of you. I don't even know some of you, but I was mad at you. So frustrated with the position I was in physically in life. And I said, man, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going to choose to be grateful. And what's so funny is, is that last night after our Saturday night service, like when I made that choice, I felt like this heavy weight lifted off of my life. Last night after service, we were out, outside giving away free t-shirts, which you'll all receive today because you're here. Sorry for those of you listening online. You still have services to get to, so take advantage of that. Uh, or stay at home and don't get one, whatever. Uh, doesn't matter to me because I'm grateful. But I'm walking outside and I'm just hanging out with people and this, this girl walks up and she goes, Pastor TJ, I know this is an awkward question, but uh, did you get Botox? <laughs> I mean, I can understand it because all you see is your eyes now and you just want to look younger and all those things. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, I would get liposuction, but I didn't get Botox. You know, it's, come on, all my liposuction people. Yeah, like, there's a couple of us cheering. The rest of us, just we want it. We just won't admit it. Uh, and I'm like, Botox? She's like, you don't have to tell me. 
She just goes, you know what? This week, you just look 10 years younger. And it wasn't that I looked 10 years younger. It said this weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. That this thing that was ruling and reigning in my heart was all of a sudden eradicated from the throne. And the King of kings and the Lord of lords got placed back on it. You know what happened? I started having a joy. I started having a peace. I started having a comfort that was missing from my life. And here's what I know. So many of you walked in here today and fear has been ruling and reigning in your life. Bitterness has been ruling and reigning in your life. Anger has been ruling and reigning in your life. Unforgiveness has been ruling and reigning in your life. And today is the day that we settle it and we start today because this life that we have left is short. And the decisions that we make today are going to determine our destiny tomorrow. And we got to choose the most important things, and that begins with our hearts. Begins in our suke. If you guys would bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want to pray for us here. And maybe there's some of you here that you have never made Jesus the ruler and reigner in your life. Maybe you've never put him in the primary spot of your heart and today is the day that you need to choose to make that decision. Or maybe something else has kind of taken his place in this season or this period of time in life and it's time to reorient your heart to the correct position. I don't know who you are or where you are, but here's what I know is that God wants to meet you right here. He wants to change you from the inside out. He doesn't change you from the outside in. He changes you from the inside out. And it starts with our heart. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe today is the day that you need to make Jesus not only the, the, the Savior of your life, but the Lord of your life, where he can rule and reign. Maybe you've never done that or haven't done it in a long time. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you would just slip up your hand at the count of three, I'd love to pray with you. One, two, three. Go on. Yes, ma'am. I see you. One, two, three. Who else? Who else? I know there's more. Four. I see you over there. Thank you. Watching online right now, go ahead and put that hand emoji up if that's you. God, I pray for every single person right now that's got their hand up, that has made some other things the ruler and the reigner in their life. God, we, we go down and we tear down those idols right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross so that we could experience life and have it more abundantly. And I pray right now for every hand that was raised. It says, if you'll confess with in your heart and believe that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. And so God, right now we make a confession. They put their hands up saying like, that's what I need. That's what I want. God, I pray that you would come into their hearts right now, that you would change them, that you would transform them, that you would begin to remove those things and that they would put you as ruler and reigner in their life. And God, that you would do a transformative work inside of them. God, we love you and we thank you for that. It's in Jesus name that I pray. Amen. Amen. That's an incredible decision. If you just made a decision to follow Christ, can we give it up for those, those four people in this service? You just made the best decision you could ever make. If you would stop by our info table there in the lobby, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. We'd love to give you some resources for that uh, to, to help you on that journey of faith. But right now we're doing something a little bit different here today. We're gonna do our legacy offering. And so on every one of your chairs is an envelope. Whether you're prepared for this or not, here's what we're gonna ask, church. We're gonna ask that you participate. Let it, you can just pick up the envelope and have nothing. It does not matter to me. But I know so many of us have been praying, how do we move the vision forward faster here? And this is our opportunity to do that. And we believe that when we give, it is an act of worship. And so I want you guys to all stand.
And here's what's going to happen is I want to pray over this and then we're going to worship God. And as we're worshiping, whenever you feel like it, there's, there's, there's little kiosks and stuff because we didn't want to pass buckets this week because that's COVID. So you can go ahead and drop that out. There'll be t-shirts out on the lawn. So would you guys hold up those envelopes, hold them up in the air. I believe that this is a seed and we want to pray over this. We want to believe God for this, that he would do immeasurably more. God, I lift up every single person's sacrifice that's here. God, I pray that Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 would be so evident and prevalent in their life, God, that you would do immeasurably more than all they could ask or imagine with this offering, God, that it would go farther, faster, and that, God, that you would be glorified, that you would be edified. God, I pray that this would be returned back to them 30, 60, 100-fold in their lives, God, that you would begin to create a legacy with the decisions that we make here today, right here in the now. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Would you guys worship with us and give? Worship your holy name, Jesus, my everything, all that I am is yours. As I worship your majesty, I worship your Sing it out, Lord, sing. And Lord, sing revival. The Lord, sing. 